What's going on, members of the Izone, and welcome back to Impact Izone, your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball, brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM, a part of the Impact Sports Podcast Network. I'm your man, Julian Mitchell, the guy that makes it do what it does and do what it did. I'm joined in studio this week by Amanda Poole, Luke Sloan, and Luke Saccone, the illustrious panel of guests. It's a full house here in Studio H, so how you guys doing? We're Start with Luke. Good. We're rocking and rolling on a Friday. Impact is on time. Best time of the week. There we go. Yeah, glad to be here. You know, long-time listener, first-time caster. So excited to get going here. Glad to be back. I wasn't here last week. I know you missed me, so I'm back in action. It really didn't, but... You know, whatever Oof. helps you sleep. I'm gonna cry. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't cry. It's Don't cry. Impact, we got a recording. <laughs> impact is on, especially you guys. Just one big happy family. So we are. We are. We are. Every week, circle it on the calendar. We've talked about we, we talked about that when I was we on did. here earlier. I was just a little hurt that Amanda wore a St. Louis hat into the studio today and mm. I was like, Wow, nice St. Louis hat and she just goes, It just matches the outfit. She's a poser. She's not a real diehard St. Louis sports fan. Like, she goes like to the this city guy over goes here. to the city once and is just like, I'm gonna wear a hat. You guys are talking about me like I'm not even here. What is this? Goes to a Cardinals game, just kind of hangs out, gets the hat. Whatever. It's a cute hat. You know, I agree. It's a great It's, it's a, a great hat. Great Thanks. logo. Yeah, Underrated see? logo. Underrated. It's top two logo, and it's not two. Bingo. Oh, boom. But uh, we have a very special episode today because it's a Valentine's Day episode. Love is in the air. And with love being in the air, first off, I want to ask everyone, how was your Valentine's Day? If you got a lucky lady, lucky guy in the life, how was the day? It was solid. I did a little bit of self loving. Got myself <laughs> some Chipotle. Had a little. I got some. I got a vending machine, Snickers bar, and there you know what? Go. That's all I need for Valentine's Day. Treat yourself. No, nice. Just just a little bit of food. Make me happy after a long day. You know, watch a little bit of sports. Probably sounds really boring, but that's how I like to roll. Nothing better. <laughs> just kidding. I got a girlfriend back at home. Oh. Uh, I miss her. Um, got Aww. got to talk her on the. Talked to her on the phone, so uh, that was nice. Other than that, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy. Did you like pretty regular? Did day. you send her any flowers or yeah, like, send yeah. her a piece of mail? Some That's flowers, nice. some That's ice nice. cream. So we're good. We're Very good. nice. Yeah. Just single and ready for a Pringle over here. Single. And ready for a Pringle, I guess. I guess that's the phrase. <laughs> I guess that's the way that goes. But in, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, another question for you guys. This is a tough one. It's gonna take a lot of thinking. I gotta know best breakup and best love song. Whoa! I already know my breakup song. This Go is a it. long that's, way that's from basketball. Lot. I want to hear Julian's first. Okay, my first. Easily, easily. Hold on. I gotta. I gotta. My girl. <laughs> my, my my girl. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Oh. What did she do? This is mainstream. Oh, excuse me. Okay, uh, Carrie Underwood. Excuse me. Sorry. Oh. oh yeah. I mix up mix up Carrie Underwood. Um. Kelly Clarkson, but Carrie Underwood before he cheats. Ooh. She Ooh. stuck Julie her key into the side. 
I like of that. his pretty little souped up four wheel drive. Wow, I that's love the it. best breakup song. I that's love it. it. I like that. nice little visual there with those lyrics. You can really it's very understand aggressive. what's going on. It's very violent. It is. Yeah, I feel that's, like that's, that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's one of those songs where you're like, I really hope this artist didn't actually think of doing this stuff, and some, you know, some writer just kind of came up with it with her because you know it's borderline dangerous. Well, I'm sorry, but I think mine's gonna top everybody's breakup song, "Burned" by Usher. It's just a classic. Mm, that's you a can't, classic. you can't top it. I'm sorry, Julian. I'm sorry. He's had some good breakup slash divorce songs. <laughs> you look at papers. Slash divorce. Slash divorce. I mean, he has a song called "Papers" where he's literally like, "I'm ready to sign yes, these divorce yes. papers." Hey, happy Valentine's <laughs> Day, everybody. Like... But yeah, that was yesterday. I guess I'll go. Uh, I'm a huge uh, Justin Timberlake fan, and uh, I love Cry Me a River. Mm, Great throwback 2002, you know? And uh, it was a long time ago, but it's still relevant, you know? Outstanding choice. Uh, Outstanding. You can't go wrong with John Legend. All of me, Valentine's Day. R&B love is the category as I look here on Spotify. It's a good one. That's your best breakup or love song? That oh, that's like a love oh, song. Oh, it's a breakup. Hey, I'm on oh. Spotify right now, and it says, Breakup songs. Breakup songs, the best cure for a broken heart. Play on Spotify. 102 songs. I feel like all of these are the I feel like I don't know. It's songs. number four on this list of <laughs> that's, 50 that's songs. So, and Spotify's credible. Okay. Well, anyway. my love song, definitive, definitive answer Let Me Love You, Mario. Anybody? Let me be the one. Yeah, yeah. Do, classic. Like Very nice. It's a classic. But uh, but yeah. All right. Well, thanks for sharing that with me, guys. I'm glad Valentine's Day special episode. Valentine's Day was yesterday. We're recording on a Friday, but had to had to get that specialty out there and to tie it back into basketball. It was a big anniversary for a lot of Michigan State fans. Michigan State basketball. Um, in February of 2015. A big throwback to Denzel Valentine, a star of the Michigan State basketball team, hitting a buzzer beater against Ohio State. They were ranked number 23 at the time to defeat them 59-56 on the home floor at the Breslin Center. One of the more special moments in MSU basketball history, especially Denzel Valentine, Valentine's Day. A lot of things came out of there. Um, And that comes from the 2014-2015 team. And and my question revolving around that is, for for you guys, is this the moment you think of when you think of that 2014-2015 team or do you have other memories? And I know for me specifically, one of one of my biggest is the run into the Final Four, especially with Travis Trice. Yeah, I mean, looking back, that's one of my favorite players just in college basketball in general. That run he went on leading Michigan State to a Final Four was was tremendous. And I think for me, that sticks out a lot for me for that 2014-2015 team. I definitely think that Denzel sticks out for me just because he is just such a character. And I do think his little duo with Bryn Forbes, I always liked seeing their chemistry on the court. So that's something I like to think about when I think of that team. Yeah, that moment was a, that, that moment right there is pretty iconic on Valentine's Day. I'd have to go with one of those as one of my top memories from that team, definitely. Yeah, I, I crack open my phone waking up on Valentine's Day. I'm not looking for any texts or anything. So I go right to Twitter. <laughs> I see about yep. seven videos of that that buzzer beater from Denzel. But just a, an outstanding team overall. I mean, you look at some of the bigs. I really like the bigs on that team of Brandon Dawson, a Costello. They really scrapped and worked hard. And, you know, those every Izzo, every Izzo team rebounds strongly and efficiently. I think those two players kind of embody that. And then you can talk about guys like Bryn Forbes. You know, another Gavin Schilling, another one of those forwards. And just, you know, Travis Trice, too. Nice little player, Keith Appling, uh, the year before that, you know, kind of 
his at the end of his Michigan State career was not ideal, but Travis Trice, you know, really was a, a nice leader on that team, captain. Yeah, and you know, speaking of leaders, the point guard position, Michigan State has one this year in Cassius Winston, and that team, much like the 2014-2015 team, is is trying to make a run, trying to make a role for it, and they are in the midst of a season right now. And since the last time we recorded, they they won two games, coming off of a three game losing skid. And that first game starts with a bounce back win at home over Minnesota at the Breslin Center, 79-55. Michigan State wins that game. And look at a couple of stats here. Nick Ward, 22 points, 9 rebounds, goes 9 of 14 from the field. Matt McQuaid, 18 points, 8 assists, 5 rebounds for the senior guard. And for Minnesota, led by uh, Gabe Kausher, 17 points, 5 rebounds, 4 of 10 from the field, 3 of 4 from deep. And just starting out with that Minnesota game, I just want to say I really don't have a lot to say about this one. Just because, to me, this this felt like a schedule win for Michigan State. Uh, obviously, you don't go and predict a three-game skid that they had going into this game. But if you were to look at the schedule, tell me Michigan State may drop a couple and they'll need a bounce-back win at some point. I would point towards a Minnesota game at home at the Breslin Center. This just seemed like a game where you come in with the right focus, the home crowd's behind you. It's a pretty easy, coastable win, and it pretty much was for Michigan State. I'd say it came at a very good time, too, especially for one player in particular. You talked about Nick Ward's 22 points. Matching up with Jordan Murphy in that game, one of the better big men in the Big Ten Conference, he only had five points in his usual workload of 40 minutes in that, or excuse me, 30 minutes in that game, especially coming after a couple games. He was benched in the Illinois game struggled in the Indiana game. It was just a nice comfortable win for him and really this this team as a whole to try to, you know, get back on track against, you know, a 16 and 8 Gophers team, potentially a tournament team. You know, it, they th- this is just what the doctor ordered for this team. Yeah, I agree. Timing was great. I mean, this was the game that, you know, they needed to win to kind of get off of that losing streak and, you know, build up some morale because they're headed into these last couple of well, last six games that are going to be pretty tough. Um, I do have to say, though, Cassius Winston sitting out, collecting two falls in that first um, half and having sit out a while. I talked to him at the end of the game, and I was like, did you know what to do with yourself on the bench for that long? He goes, no. He's like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so antsy and everything. So I think something to point out is the rest that he got in that game. Then when we talk about the Wisconsin game, just kind of his energy in that game and actually getting to rest for a while was really beneficial. Yeah, I think going off of that, uh, getting the rest for Cassius – it allowed for other players like McQuaid and Irons to be able to like take this offense into their own hands, and I think going forward that that's something that uh, Izzo need to have have them do because you know Cassius he's gonna need his rest going into the tournament. And I think having players like McQuaid and Irons and um, maybe even some freshmen like Foster Lawyer getting them some minutes, running at the point guard, or just having them bring the ball up and run the offense. I think that's a key a key moment for Michigan State here. Yeah, and I think that was the biggest key. And Amanda, you were there watching, uh, writing, reporting for Impact. And one of the biggest things that stuck out to me was obviously Matt McQuaid and Nick Ward, like you all said. And and starting with McQuaid, you know, senior guard, he's a co-captain for this team. And a lot of pressure was put on him to try and be more aggressive. I mean, Tom Izzo has talked about it. We said in the last pod, but there are a number of shots left out there on the floor without Langford, and someone has to take them. And Izzo pointed towards his senior guard, and in this game, McQuaid really took it upon himself to score. He looked confident and aggressive, taking it to the hole, pulling up from mid-range, just really shot hunting, something we haven't seen from him. And you're there watching, watching it work. For you, 
how impressed were you with his level of play, his level of aggression, and how vital is it for him to take these shots for the Michigan State team? I mean, I know, like, his potential. Like, I know how well he can play. So it wasn't that, like, I was surprised, but, like, I was impressed that it was actually happening. I was like, okay, good. Like, he's actually stepping up. He's actually doing what he needs to be doing with Langford's absence. And also, I think kind of what lit a fire under everybody was, you know, the presence of Magic Johnson there and that team and and just, like, what that meant. And, you know, Magic Johnson called a bunch of the players out and said, you know, you need to be doing better. And um, I think they really took that advice and went for it. And, I mean, McQuaid really steps up. I mean, we all know that he does great defensively, but him to do great offensively, too, just shows how much effort and how much, you know, energy and everything that he's bringing to the table. Magic's definitely been calling people out. He's <laughs> kind of been used to that these past couple of weeks, not just with Michigan State, but pretty much pulling a lot of players on the trading block for the Lakers. But another player that he called out and you alluded to was Nick Ward. And both him and Izzo kind of went at the forward, telling him he had to be more aggressive, not only scoring the basketball, but rebounding. And he came out and performed again, and for you, is this the turn for Nick Ward? Do you think now the the kind of lack of effort play, the loss of intensity, is that all behind him? Is this the game that we, we start to see a different Nick Ward? You know, I definitely think so, especially considering we're going to get into the Wisconsin game and his matchup with Ethan Happ, Happ that was very favorable after that when he played well, but we'll talk about that later. But just looking at the numbers from this Minnesota game, 9-14 from the field, extremely efficient, 4-7 from the line, 9 rebounds. Nick Ward had problems channeling his emotions last year. You saw it on the bench with Izzo. You heard reports from practice. And I kind of thought after the Illinois game when he got benched in favor of Xavier Tillman to start that game, I kind of thought, oh no, Tom, you're going to get Nick you know, in his head again and he's going to start you know, thinking too much and it's going to be like what happened last year. But he came out in this game, in the starting lineup. It was a focused effort. It was it was just what he needed, and it was a big step forward in terms of his emotional and you know his mental development on the floor. It was an impressive effort. Very, very different from what we saw last year. Yeah, I was going to say, during that three-game skit, he did not look um, like his normal Nick Ward self, but I think this game got him back to you know the beginning of the year where he really dominated in the post and was able to you know, have his way down there, and he was able to really show um, show up that that game. Yeah, yeah. Over that three game losing streak, just one rebound, uh, one rebound in the game against Illinois, ten total. He had nine of the game against Minnesota, almost matching that that effort over the three game skid. And you know, I'll pat myself on the back. I give a little bit of credit. We'll we'll say he read my article about him and McQuaid, <laughs> and both of them decided to show up because of that. Love it. Love it. You love, love to the see influence it, yeah. from the media. You <laughs> called them out. You called them out in that article. You, you you know you needed that veteran leadership. And then look what happened the next game: eighteen points, twenty two points. Hey, it's like it's like maybe you're in sync with them. Maybe you're giving them a call. Do we be. do we know oh, this? No. Hey, oh, we we better be quiet about this we, now. We better be. Oh, we, we found them. Oh but uh, another thing, looking at this game, and you all talked about with Winston sitting down, some other guys getting some minutes, and that starts with Foster Lawyer getting some time out there on the floor. But also Thomas Kithier, he played a pretty big part in this one, and I'm going to be completely honest. I still don't trust Lawyer. He is on the shortest lease possible possible with me. But, I mean, I don't know if it's Valentine's Day and I'm just in my feelings, <laughs> but I've fallen a little bit in love with Thomas Kithier. I really like this guy's game. I think he can finish with either hand. He's pretty good in the post. He's active on the floor, brings a lot of effort when he's been out there. And I really like his playing. And I want to ask you guys, starting with Kithier, should he get more playing time? Is that someone that 
Tom Izzo should start thinking about adding more to his rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think his athleticism is there and the way his work ethic is. He kind of reminds me of a young Kyle Arns, just very like loves the game of basketball, loves to just throw himself out on the court and give everything he has because he knows that he only has a limited number of minutes to prove himself. And I mean, eight points, three rebounds in 18 minutes. I mean, he was just all over the place, just playing the game and, you know, just doing the best for his team. And I definitely think that in those moments where he got to prove himself, he did. And Izzo should look at that and realize that he's got another guy that he can, you know, sub in there for um, breaks. You know, looking at his numbers, you mentioned the 18 minutes he played. Four of five shooting, you you do not get much more efficient than that in about 18 minutes on the floor. But you really start to look at this Michigan State front court. Obviously, Xavier Tillman is usually the first guy off the bench, along with our, you know the usual suspects in the starting lineup. You have a Kyle Arns coming off the bench, mostly playing like a, a three or a four spot. But you know, in case foul trouble comes along to one of these bigs that's in a bigger role, as Kithier continues to develop. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you know in some kind of NCAA tournament game versus I don't know, we'll say. Providence or whatever in like the second rounds when you know uh oh all of a sudden Henry's in foul trouble uh oh Ward's in foul trouble they could pull him off the bench and we could see some March magic from a Thomas Kith here it's definitely something to keep an eye on yeah and putting him in there for uh, some more minutes you know you get a you basically get a four four person punch there with Nick Ward uh, Kenny Thomas Kithier and Xavier Tillman um, I think those four guys will definitely complement each other very well going forward into the tournament time. Um, allowing for everyone to get rest on the bench and some good playing time. It's definitely an an, an interesting thought for Tom Izzo to have, but uh, he didn't have to think too long and hard about this one against Minnesota. It was a game that Michigan State kind of picked up and ran away with. Again, final score, 79-55. Michigan State getting a big win, snapping the three-game losing skid with the win over Minnesota. And following the Golden Gophers, Michigan State had a test. They had to go out on the road on Tuesday, and play the Wisconsin Badgers, the number 20 Wisconsin Badgers at home at the Kohl Center. And, you know, we talked about it on the last pod. It was it was a litmus test for Michigan State, and they went out. They passed it. They downed the Badgers 67-59, getting the win at the Kohl Center. Some stats from that game. Cassius Winston, 23 points, 6 assists, 6 rebounds. Kenny Goins, the second leading scorer <laughs> behind him, 12 points, 9 rebounds, 4 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep. And, I mean, one of the guys who... A lot of people can proclaim as one of the top players in the country. Definitely one of the top players in the Big Ten, Wisconsin's Ethan Happ. 20 points, 12 rebounds, although 10 of 20 from the field to go along with six turnovers in the game for Happ. He does cross the 2,000-point mark. He's got 2,000 points, over 1,000 rebounds in his career. Truly one of the more remarkable players in the Big Ten Conference and one of the more remarkable players to ever put on a Badger uniform. Um but looking at, at this Wisconsin game, this was the big one for me. It, it's a very solid win for Michigan State. Go out, you beat a good Wisconsin team on their home floor, which one is one of the toughest things to do, to go out uh, away and take on this Wisconsin team. They play at a different pace than a lot of other teams, like to slow it down, defensive efforts, just muck games up. And Michigan State came. They proved that they can play different styles, and they, they were able to match up with Wisconsin well, and the, the game plan really worked. So looking at you guys – kind of your first thoughts after watching this game and looking at it how big of a test was this for Michigan State kind of when you look at the the maturation of the Spartans this season that Minnesota win was at home a feel-good win snapped the three-game losing streak and then everyone kind of saw this Wisconsin game as like you said a true test 
you know what you know I uh, what I said before the game is we'll know if this team is is back to contention in the Big Ten if they go and shock Wisconsin on their home court. I don't know if I'd say shock just looking at the rankings, but it's one of the toughest places to play in the Big Ten, one of the toughest players to defend in the Big Ten, and they showed up and executed in all facets in an extremely efficient and effective way and picked up one of their biggest wins of the season on the heels of some really tough stuff. This was arguably their most important win of the season so far. Yeah, and I think a part of that is because you look at where Michigan State is and the fact that after dropping three games, a lot of people were looking at Michigan, looking at Purdue, and saying, with Michigan State dropping games, they may have a chance to just start picking up some wins and rolling away with the Big Ten. And, of course, Michigan State goes on to lose to Penn State later on. Um, Michigan State picks up the win against Wisconsin. This turned out to be a big game and has vaulted them back into the big conversation of whether or not they can run away with a Big Ten title. And so you look at this game and maybe not on paper, it's the largest game, but the repercussions of what happened following it turned out to be pretty big for the Spartans. And they were able to come away with a big win. And one of the biggest takeaways I took from this game, I talked about Ethan Happ, 20 points, 10 of 20 from the field. And although he got his, he was frustrated all night long. And that starts with Nick Ward. Talked a little bit about him before, but I thought his defense on Ethan Happ was absolutely tremendous. I mean, just battling down there the whole entire time. Yes, Nick Ward's a guy that doesn't normally play, um, you know, over 25, 30 minutes, but he was just battling down there the whole time. You could tell he was tired, but, like, I think he just, that's his maturity, his mental maturity, knowing that he needs to do this for his team, and he did. He did a great job. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he did a really good job uh, against Ethan Happ, you know, 10 for 20. Ethan Happ's usually a pretty good uh, a pretty good um, shooter instead. I believe he's only taken, like, I believe they said one outside or one shot outside of the paint this whole season or something like that. Um, yeah, so he's like the Ben Simmons of college basketball. Yeah, it just Great it comp. just shows like he he thrives inside, and for Michigan State and Nick Ward to be able to shut him down as they did, I mean, he got what he got, twenty points, but overall they did a great job on him. Yeah. I I think the correct word to kind of use with Nick Ward's defensive performance against Ethan Happ is kind of he kind of neutralized his game. He didn't let him take over at any certain point in the game. Looking at Ward's stat line, he had three blocks in the game, rebounded the ball efficiently too. But he there was never a point when Ethan Happ really started doing work and they just dump it down to him on multiple possessions and he'd just get his. Nick Nick Ward was a nice nice did a nice job of, you know, offering a change up every now and again, just making sure other guys had to do a little bit more work and it just wasn't all Ethan Happ, which so many teams in the Big Ten struggle with. A big part of it was just just frustrating Happ and that kind of boils down to why Hap had six turnovers in this game. Nick Ward was just there at every point. All the pump fakes, all the moves, his footwork to get around. Ward was there, and I think that got into Hap's head. He turns it over a couple times on some travel calls, some shots that didn't go his way, and that ended up being a big part of Michigan State rolling away with the win because that executed the way their game game plan wanted to. They were going to let Hap get his 20 points, play well from the field, but he was not going to get help. And I think that was one of the, the biggest things for the Spartans that you look at a Brad Davidson, a Demetric Trice, they come in shooting over 40% from three between that duo, and you got nine points from Davidson, three of 12, two of eight uh, are his shooting splits, and Demetric Trice just one of six from the field, oh of two from three. I mean, Hap had 20, but the Badgers had nowhere else to go, and I think that was a big part of Michigan State. You know, to talking about uh, 
once again, Nick Ward. We were earlier in this podcast, we were talking about how he's grown as a player, you know, mentally and physically this year. This was definitely one of one of, if not his toughest defensive challenge in his career against uh, or in his career with the Spartans. Obviously, he's faced uh, Ethan Happ times before. Once I know a couple times last year against the Badgers, but it didn't. Those games did not mean as much as this one on the road. And you know, Nick Ward's defense has been something that has been criticized at times during his Spartan career. Not only was he disciplined and focused mentally, but he showed up and did the fundamental things right in this game to defend maybe the best big in the nation. Yeah, and going back to, you know, um, Michigan State not allowing any other Badgers to get going. Um, obviously, we talked about Nick Ward getting three blocks on, and a steal. Aaron Henry, two blocks, two steals. Xavier Tillman, two blocks, two steals. Overall, Michigan State's defense, like, they did their job. And not to go against like Cassius Winston or Matt McQuaid, they didn't get you know blocks or steals, but they were able to shut down um, Davison and Trice, uh, and that allowed for Michigan State to just be able to you know focus on Hap because no one else was going to get their um, no one else was going to get their get going. You mentioned Demetric Trice, of course. The uh, we have Travis Trice here at Michigan State. We were talking about that 2014-15 team, little relation there. They were talking about that on the TV broadcast. It's a it's a big connection, and Luke, I like what you what you pointed out with Henry, and just kind of taking a moment to talk about Aaron Henry and, and his growth. A lot of a lot of pressure was put on him to try to become the second scorer to be another wing who can step up, take some shots, and and obviously he still has a lot of room for development. The jump shot isn't all the way there yet. He does have a great game to where he gets to the middle of the floor, as he showed in Wisconsin. He gets to the middle around the free throw line, and that's a bucket for him. <clears throat> but still has a lot of room to grow. But the one area that I think he has truly gotten better at and is going to be key for the Michigan State to make a run is the defensive end. I think he has become a really solid perimeter defender. And one of the scary things that I took from Wisconsin is that this Michigan State defense is is really starting to return to form and get back to the, the peak that it was. And if this team's playing just as good enough defense as they do offense, that's going to be a tough outcome March. Yeah, I mean, they held them to Wisconsin to 21 points in the second half. And, I mean, that just that says a lot um, for Michigan State's defense, not only for Ward or, you know, McQuaid or anything, but that means that they're all working well on defense, not just one or two players. It's, you know, it's this kind of contagious defensive energy, like, you know, Tum Tum hitting the floor, stuff like that that you used to see. Now it's all coming back in, in, in full blow. And it's, it's just it's really cool to see because you know that that's going to make the difference when it comes tournament time. I think contagious is a fantastic word to use when describing their defense and when they're really clicking. You know, they play as a unit, and it's really, you know, the bench gets into it, Izzo gets into it. It's something they really take great pride in. But you mentioned Aaron Henry. In the biggest games on the road this season, you know, this game, an Ohio State game, he has shown up, especially on the defensive side of the floor, and even on offense in this game, like you said, developing his shot. I know I read a nice piece from The Athletic from a friend of Impact is own uh, Brendan Quinn. Oh, friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. <laughs> friend of the program is shout out One Shining Pod. Very, very, very nice article on Aaron Henry and, you know, the, the, the mental battle with developing his shot in this game. Four, six from the field, eight points, five boards, getting a, getting a little bit of it on both ends. His ceiling may be higher than anybody on this Spartan team. He can be a, a really great player. You talk about other instances where he's showing up. One of, the, one of the bigger ones is that game against Indiana, although Michigan State goes on to lose that game. His def- defense on Langford coming down at that last second shot, although it was a poor shot for, for Romeo Langford, well defended by Henry. And 
you look at this guy and we talked about it earlier on Amanda when Ryan Ryan Cole was still here in one of our earlier pods, but just how while this team is still great this year, it is a lot coming back next year. And it starts, I believe, with Aaron Henry and his growth, his continued growth and development going into next year. But uh, looking at Henry, another guy that can't go this podcast without talking about. Kenny freaking Goins. Oh, love it. I love him. Love I him. <laughs> just, Fan favorite pick of Impact is on week just, in, week out. Wow. Just never know what to say. I mean, this is a guy who... Coming into the season, and I mean, his pretty much his years here at Michigan State, not a lot of hype, not a lot of people caring for him. A lot of the reason you talk about Kenny Goins is because you're like, oh, God, Kenny. But <laughs> oh, now it's like, oh, God, Kenny. Yes. And, I mean, you look at his stats in the game against Wisconsin, but coming away with, with 12 points, being the second leading scorer, 12 points, 9 rebounds, 4 of 9 from the field, 3 of 6 from deep for the redshirt senior in this season and I just I have to ask you guys did you ever see Kenny Goins becoming an x-factor for this Spartan team because I think right now it'd be safe to say he is I think this is a guy he's shown up in multiple games he performs he hits a couple shots from three spreads out the offense if he's going this team's going Kenny as I like to call him now is the silent killer he, he gets on that floor. He'll hit a dagger three. Obviously, they didn't, they didn't win the game against Illinois. But him hitting those shots late in that game, he'll just run back defensively, maybe a little smirk on his face, quiet, just goes about his business. The silent killer, Kenny Goins. But stuffing the stat sheet against Wisconsin, 12 points, 9 boards. Of course, we know about his rebounding numbers in previous games when he doesn't score this season. But you... Every team could use a Kenny Goins. He'll rebound. Every now and again, he'll get a couple buckets from beyond the arc for you. He's a leader, and he consistently stays on the floor for this team, talking about foul trouble, talking about injuries, which have been you know problematic for this team this year and in the past. Any team could use a guy like that, especially come tournament time. I mean, I just think he really embodies a Spartan you know, basketball player. I mean, he's been with Izzo for you know over four years now, and it's just... He just works hard and, yes, silently, silently. And then you hear, you know, like flashbacks from the Kansas game when I saw him shoot the three-pointer. I'm just like, okay, like this is happening. He's just, he just does. He just does. That's all he just does his job. And But his job is just random stuff, like just always filling in holes where they need to be and quietly or if he shows up on the stat sheet, he shows up on the stat sheet. It's no big deal. But, I yeah, I definitely didn't expect him to be kind of, you know, a weapon on this team. You bring up a great point direct byproduct of the Tom Izzo system in his four years on campus in East Lansing. Former walk-on, kind of a bench player on some better teams the last couple of years, starter and leader this year. It's been really fun to watch his growth, especially under his head coach, who he has a unique relationship with. You know, you see a lot of guys like him come along in Izzo's tenure. Every one of them special, and Kenny Goins is just another one. Yeah, he's talking, you know, going back, he is the X factor. If he can continue to make those, his three point stroke right now is just on point. And I, I didn't think that was possible, uh, you know, a couple years ago. But it's it's looking really, really good right now. And you know, being the X factor, if he can continue uh, to consistently make those three point shots, spread the floor, I think that allow for Michigan State's offense to you know really explode going forward. That's the biggest thing. I mean, he continues to hit those threes. That's 
that's another dimension of the offense. It stretches the floor. You talk about, I mean, they've run it a couple times now, but a Winston Goins pick and pop is because so many defenders don't game plan necessarily for him or they allow him to take the shot because it's like, we'll let Kenny Goins beat us. But he's knocking it down. Love those Kenny threes. I remember after that Kansas game, I was talking to you at like a meeting the night after or something, and you were telling me, oh, no. What is this team going to do if he keeps shooting threes after that Kansas game? Look where we're at now. Oof, I'll tell you what. It, it's it's working. And, you know, just another question for, for, for Kenny, and it's something that I thought about because, you know, everybody loves to hate him, and we're not here to make it hot, not here to make it messy, but Dan Dockage was on the call for the game against Wisconsin, and one thing he kind of brought up a couple of times was just how he he liked the story of Kenny Goins, a former walk-on, and now he's playing pretty impressively. And obviously the season isn't over yet, but I do want to ask for you all, looking at Kenny Goins' career, where you've seen him play, what would you say would be his, his Spartan legacy? What is he leaving behind here? You know, when, when he kisses the floor on senior day coming up here pretty soon, pretty really soon, looking at this <laughs> schedule, this year has flown by. He is a guy that every single player can pick up something from that walks through the doors in this program, whether it's hard work becoming maybe an underrated guy recruiting-wise and becoming a starter and a leader, whether that might be on the defensive end of the floor where he can guard multiple positions in the front court, or even offensively, maybe there's a couple guys on this team or in the future that say, oh, he's just kind of a defender or a scrapper. He's developed this offensive game this year especially any player that comes into this system and looks at a guy like Kenny has to see the embodiment of hard work, which is exactly what this program has always been known for, not to mention development. I think, too, just coming in, being a walk-on player, having opportunities at other, to play at other colleges with um, you know scholarship, but he chose Michigan State. He chose to work for it and look at where it, that got him. Same thing you said, hard work. I definitely think that's his legacy. It's going to be if you actually work hard enough and want it bad enough – you can make an impact and make a difference. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, trusting the process, you know, obviously coming out as walk-on to where he is now, he's he's really developed his game, um, obviously the hard work, but I think just the process in which he got here is a really special thing for him. I really like that point, that one point you made, Amanda, when talking about his legacy. He could have gone to Oakland for Greg Campy, probably played pretty early, probably starred a little earlier in his career, but now he's kind of ending up in the same spot and he's on a bigger stage. There were other opportunities out there for him, but you know, showing off that that not being selfish at all, team mentality, and just pure hard work. I think that's it. that's the thing that'll stay: the hard work, the fact that he could have gone somewhere else, but he chose the challenge, and he's made it his own. That uh, definitely the story is coming away from Wisconsin. Michigan State picking up the big win, sixty-seven fifty-nine at the Kohl Center. That starts up a two-game winning streak for the Spartans, and kind of all them back. Into the conversation for the Big Ten title, uh, all tied up now with Michigan at eleven and three in the conference. Chance have a couple chances to turn that around. They looking at Ohio State and Rutgers coming up, and then a Michigan game that next Sunday. But we'll get into those before we get into the previews of those games. We got some questions, and the, these come from the man, the myth, the legend himself, Zach Swasicki. Um, legend around these parts. A legend around these parts, but we got to call him out because. You know, around every Thursday, sometimes around noon, sometimes a little bit later, depends on how I'm feeling. I'll do the do the tweet, you know, asking for question, questions for the podcast. And every Friday after we record, Swire will hit me up. 
is it too late to turn in questions? Like we literally just recorded. <laughs> that dude, li- hey, hey, he's still stuck in college. He's used to those uh, those deadlines. Like, what are we doing? And so he, he told me, he's like, I need to send in questions for this one. I was like, don't tweet them, just text them to me. <laughs> and so we have a laundry list of questions, and this is his own segment here. Questions from Zach Swasicki, everything that he's wanted to ask for a little while now. And it starts out with a, a Valentine's Day themed question. <laughs> lighthearted, love it. A little lighthearted, and... If Tom Izzo is handing out V-Day cards and can only make three, which players does he give them to? I'll start it out, and I'm going to say he gives it to Kenny Goins, Cassius Winston, and, you know, I think he gives one to Connor George. Very nice. Nice. Little Connor George shout-out here on the podcast. Had to give him one. I I think Kenny gets his for the hard work, the work he's put in. He, He is the definition of a Tom Izzo player. Cassius Winston gets one. I mean, their relationship, that, that's his guard right there. And I think Tom Izzo has always loved his point guards, and he especially loves Winston and how he is literally pouring his heart and soul into this season, playing so many minutes. And, and then Connor George. That's the most just fun-loving guy, and I think Tom Izzo would like to show him a little bit of love. Looking down my rankings, number one, Valentine's Day is in the air, a lot of love. It is a love affair between Cassius Winston and Tom Izzo. He's given him that first Valentine's Day card, that most special one. And all those pressers, he's always talking about, oh, my Cassius. Oh, my Cassius. He comes up to me in the timeouts, tells me about his defense. My Cassius this, my Cassius that. It is a love affair, especially in practice, too. A little off-the-record stuff there. Number one, Cassius Winston. Number two, I'm also going with Kenny Goins, just like Julian said. Hard worker. Been here four years. Pretty easy to go with that when we talked about it a lot. And number three, a little bit of a sleeper. I'm going with Mr. Foster, lawyer for my number three. Recruited him hard out of Clarkston <laughs> High School. Goes even harder on him in practice. A guy that is developing, like you said, loves his point guards, loves his backup point guards. You know, in a couple of years, we might see some special things from him. Under the radar pick, Foster, lawyer number three. I like that. Foster gets a... A lot of negativity, at least at least in games. A lot of yelling. Foster, what are you doing? Foster. Yeah. He'll, he'll get a, he'll get a, he'll get a card. Some love. Well, knowing how smart Izzo is, I do have to say he'll probably give Valentine's Day cards to guys that are leaving soon. So I'm gonna have to do Matt McQuaid, or as Izzo likes to say, Quaido. Don't really get that. Um, oh, just because I feel nickname, like yeah. he's just he's just like that Spartan defensive player that Izzo loves, and you know that's just. He does exactly what Izzo tells him to do, so why not give him a V-Day card? Um, also got to go with Kyle Arns, who he calls Arnie. See, the guys that have nicknames, I feel like he <laughs> gives Valentine's Day cards, too. Um, just a solid player, a solid guy. And then I would have to say Kenny Goins, because just like we said, he's that true Spartan player that you know just worked hard, been around for so long. So my top guys. Yeah, I'd nice. say... One and two for me would definitely be Cash Winston and Kenny Goins. Just overall, uh, obviously Cash is doing so much for this team this year. Izzo's going to have to show him some love, and, and he does. Uh, and then obviously Kenny Goins, you know, leaving soon, um, just being being the hardworking Spartan guy, you know. And uh, I'll say, I'll say my third one would be Aaron Henry. I think uh, Izzo wants to show him some love going forward. Uh, show him how much he's appreciated him this uh, season so far, and uh, you know maybe a little future for them together. 
Wait, did Zach give you his top three? He did not give me oh, his top three. Oh, man. I want to hear his. I was hoping he just for that. question. On the next, if you're listening to this, why <laughs> we want those during this pot? Well, obviously, this is not live, so I don't know why I'm saying that. Next episode, we'll carve out a special spot. For we'll carve him. out a special spot. But uh, that's his Valentine's Day themed question. And moving on to the other things he wanted to know. And he asked, what's more surprising, John Beeline getting ejected? Or Nick Ward shooting 100% from three. And I'm gonna, I'm just going to be honest. It's 100% Bayline getting ejected. This is a man who does not swear. Completely agreed. Like, agreed. what could he have possibly said to a referee? All I could picture him yelling is like, you poopy head. And like, <laughs> how, what do you say when you don't, like, curse? Because usually that's the hot button that every ref is just like, get out of here. Well, he looked very aggressive. Like, he was going to start swinging, so. You know, in his, in, in John Beeline's defense... The referees, terrible performance in Happy Valley. I'm not a guy that likes to rag on them. It was validated. It takes a lot to get a guy like that going. I saw a tweet. It's like, ejecting John Beeline from a game is like throwing a pastor out of a chapel. And I'm like, that's very accurate. Yeah, absolutely. John Beeline, I I was very surprised when he got ejected for that game. Yeah. Yeah. Give Nick Ward some credit. He's got a little bit of a lefty stroke. It yeah. works. It works. Oh yeah. All you have to He'll go is one. For, all you have to do is go one for one. And you're That's good. what I'm saying. <laughs> Nick will let you know. Oh, Nick, what about your three <laughs> point you... shooting? After every game he makes one, they'll always ask him about it, and he'll say, "Oh, best in the history of this program." Wow. Uh, and so his next one, when it gets to a tie game, this is a, a very deep question. Michigan State has the ball for the final possession. Who is Tom Izzo drawing the play for? I mean, I would say Winston just, you know, setting it up and Winston just finesses his way through the defense and whips it up for a layup and normally either draws a foul and he can shoot, you know, great free throws. And, I mean, that's what I think. It's your go-to player. He's clutch. My cash is all the way on oh this one. God. We are rolling that's, with that my cash. I can't, it's kind of like making me cringe a little I bit. I loved that, though. If we can get, like, a drop for like the Green and White Report or something like that. Oh, Shout gosh. out Green and White Report, Sundays, 11 a.m. This guy right here, Ryan Rabinowitz, but loved it. That, I, I remember he was. I was with uh, Kyle Turk, another WDBM Sports uh, member here. We just looked at each other after a game when he was talking about Mike Cassius, and that was great. But, yeah, he's he's getting the ball in that Final Four game when they need a, a quick score. You know, he's a, he's a guy that's been able to create off the dribble a little bit more this year. Even if he doesn't take it himself and draw it, contact or something like that proven passer you know drive baseline kick out look for a guy like McQuaid I would say look for a guy like I was just about to say look for a guy like Langford but that won't be happening definitely put it in his hands let him create yeah I'd have to agree uh definitely Cassius Winston he's definitely the most uh trustworthy on this team um to create his own shot or just find the open man to get an open shot um I think that's who Izzo would be uh drawing the playoff for yeah, I think Winston, Winston's the guy. I think McQuay could also be there. I think it, it I depends agree. on what shot you're trying to go for. If you're you're getting for a three, I do like McQuay. It's tough because there's not a whole lot of, of moving shooters or off-the-dribble shooters, I would say, on this team. A lot of spot-up guys. I think Cassius Winston does a little bit in transition, pulling up off the dribble, but as far as moving, maybe fading away, probably be between those two guys. I think those are the best shooters, and 
I could also see Aaron Henry at some point. I don't think he's going to be the guy you're necessarily like, oh, give Aaron Henry the ball. A but big shake of the head from Amanda across the room. I th- I she think didn't like that If one. you draw up a pretty crazy play and you use Winston and maybe even McQuaid as decoys and it leads to an Aaron Henry little floater from the free throw line. Oh, I would root for that any day. How, how, that'd be a great story. Yeah, that's the thing. People will be expecting a shot from Winston or even McQuaid, so why not get another guy involved there? Because Aaron Henry won't make it. I'm sorry. He just... Oof. I'm sorry. After the coming on the on the heels of that wonderful Wisconsin like win game, win a game. It's going to be Winston or McQuaid or throw it into Ward for a kickback to Winston. It's not going to be an inexperienced player. I don't disagree. I'm just I'm you know if if we're in there okay, working with well, some X's and O's, one of them X's might be Let's Aaron Henry. <laughs> what about what about I know Amanda, you like Kyle Arns a lot. What about Kyle Arns? He's he's crafty. I know. Shows up on the big stage. What about that? Between the legs Meet stuff I'm seeing, I'm really enjoying that. I I no, he's they're not an option when you have Winston McQuaid. I'm sorry. All right. It is settled. I think so. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Maybe at some point it'll come down to that, and then Aaron Henry nails a little floater, looks up to the, like, looks up to the second row of the wrestling center, and goes, "That's right, Amanda." Yep. We got to remember right. this. We need to, you know, put a little extra, little highlighter on this in the old computer after the <laughs> after the pod's done. But when they when they win it all on an Aaron Henry floater, oh wow. yeah, wow. that'll wow. be a big. I told you so. I'll formally apologize to him. Good. Wow. I'm gonna hold you to that. Next one, Michigan State uh, play, had played some of it. This comes a little bit uh, later. Wanted to ask this one last time, but I think it still works. But uh, Michigan State had played some of its best basketball before their three-game losing streak. Uh, what do you think attributed to that skid, or what would you attribute that skid to? And I think, for me, a lot of it comes down to the transition game. I think Michigan State, I don't know if teams necessarily figured it out or it was a lack of, of maybe focus and effort or just not being well-rested enough, but... The transition game just wasn't there over that three-game skid. I think they had single digits in a couple of the games they played, especially I think you look at Illinois and only eight fast break points for Michigan State in that game against Illinois, and I think that's part of the reason they struggled was that it came down to Warden guys not really executing in the half court, and when they're not running, offense just isn't really going where it wants to, and I think that was one of the biggest issues going into that three-game skid. Yeah, I agree. I also think a big part of it was Langford. I know they like you know skated by like seven games without him, but then I think when the news came out that he was not returning for this whole season, that kind of hit them a little bit, you know, mentally, and uh, you know, players really realized they had to step up. And then you know, when you don't have a guy like Langford, a captain on that um, court, hyping them up with his energy. Um, it's just kind of hard, and I think that the way they handled it probably wasn't the best, and that's why they kind of got got a little down in the down in the what is it down in the dumps. Yeah, thank you. Wow, I like that pick. Yeah, that's that was that was gonna be my pick too. Kind of the the post Langford transition. Yeah. Kind of you know everybody kind of had it in the back of their heads when they went on that little streak without Langford. Everyone was like, oh, they're gonna get the reinforcements here in a few, in yeah. a couple weeks. Everyone kind of kept that along, and then all of a sudden, it's you know that game day game comes along. You know the days before you're hit with that kind of news, especially the captain of this team. That's significant as well. You know, not having him for the rest of the season, I think it was a mental barrier. And I also agree with Julian. This team is fueled by their transition game. It was lacking very much so in all three of those games. Yeah, just overall their effort, their focus wasn't there, and uh, something. That I noticed that their rebounding was not up to par, especially for a Michigan State team. 
Um, they were out rebounded by both Purdue and Indiana. They they out or Michigan State out rebounded Illinois by five. Uh, still lost the game. But rebounding is a huge effort, a huge hardworking uh, stat line, and uh, it's a it's a big it's an important one when it comes down to it. I think um, that's something that definitely attributed to their uh, skid there. Yeah, that's definitely a big a big part of it. So thank you, Zach, for for that question. And last one coming for the man, Zach Swisicki. What should be the measuring stick of success for Michigan State now? A Big Ten regular season championship, a conference tourney championship, or even a Sweet Sixteen, maybe even further. And I'll kick it off. And I I, I think just because of the the lack of postseason success these last couple of years, a couple of second round exits, the upset to Middle Tennessee State. I think you have to go far. I think if you're Tom Izzo, just winning a Big Ten championship, whether it be regular season or in the conference tourney, you have to go in March. This has got to be the year you've had great teams the last couple of years. The year the upset happens, a very great team, and obviously all that can't be thrown. Middle Tennessee State had one of the best games of their lives, but. These exits are exits. You got out early, and now is the time. You got to come back, and I mean, you're supposed to be Mr. March. Mr. March hasn't been there so far. Looking at the parts of this question, Big Ten regular season champs, check it off. Conference tourney champs, check it off. They need to get both of those, in my opinion. And then I'm thinking minimum, probably Elite Eight. A Final Four would be optimal. The expectations for this program need to remain high. Like you mentioned, Julian, all of the exits they've had, especially last year, right down the road in Detroit, Michigan, at Little Caesars Arena against Syracuse, the Ben Carter game, as I like to call it. The Ben Carter game. <laughs> but the expectations for this program need to remain at the high, at one of the highest levels in the country. You know, I've, I'm looking at little, you know, little bracketology, starting to crank that up. I've, you know, I see them in the Gonzaga. Uh, region that would be favorable if they're in the Gonzaga region. It's not to rip on the Zags, love them, but uh, if they're in the Gonzaga region, region it's Final Four bust, and it might be Final Four bust regardless. Because that's a and yeah, like you said, not to rip on the Zags, but the Zags are a very very good team. Correct. But if we're going around and we're looking at some of the higher seeds in those brackets, the Gonzaga would probably be the team. I mean, you yeah. could end up you could have a Duke in there, even a Virginia. They get a one seed. It's just somewhere around there. Those are tougher outs than a Gonzaga team, yeah, although Tom Izzo has proven he's got the Tony Bennett. I don't want to see a Kentucky or a Zion or, or anything like that. That's uh, That would be extremely tough. I mean, where do I, where do we, where would we even start about something like that? <laughs> but, yeah, Luke? Uh, yeah, going off of that, I, I agree that uh, Big Ten regular season champ, conference training champ, those are very doable this year. Um, and they need they need to get far in the tournament. They're They're far overdue for that. Um, is I just feel like it's their time, and I think that's how they'll be measuring their success this year. I just felt like last year we said it's their time, it's their time, and and you know there was such a big disappointment with the tournament last year that I think it's it's like either you go far or you lose all credibility. I mean, you just have to Izzo has to prove you know himself and and what he's doing with this team with the tournament and just being you know Big Ten champs or whatever. It's not enough. They're gonna have to go far. I think further than Sweet 16. Yeah, and, it, and it's tough because last year you have really probably a lot of people would say Izzo's best chance or one of his best chances. I mean, you look at Miles Bridges, Jaron Jackson, that team, to get, go out disappointed like that hurts, and you hate to put a lot of pressure on this team because 
especially without Langford. I mean, this is still a great team, but it's obviously not at least as talented as last year's was. And so to to kind of put all the pressure and ask them to go far does make it difficult for Izzo because there's a lot you can point to and say, well, this is why we lost. But the the exes prior just put a whole lot more on this team, put them under the microscope, and Izzo's got to figure out a way to do something. Completely agreed. You talk about the individual players and their ceilings on last year's team. Of course, a couple lottery picks that are performing well now in the league. But the the ceiling on that entire team last year, it was national championship or bust when Miles Bridges announced he was coming back for a second year, which was an unbelievable bonus, especially with a guy like Jaron coming in and the you know the supporting cast that that team had last year. This they need to make a bold statement in the tournament this year if they want to remain on the national scale and a prominent team on a national scale because it's been a minute since we've had Michigan State playing on those CBS games. That was that nice. was that was nice. Wow. Uh, Thank you for that. I don't think we get paid by CBS. But oh man, we yeah. should Shout we should for CBS. that little rendition. But great segue because speaking. Of CBS, thank you, Zach. So I thank you for all the questions. But speaking of CBS, on Sunday, next game coming up, Michigan State welcomes the Ohio State Buckeyes to the Breslin Center Sunday at 1 p.m. Nationally broadcasted on CBS. But obviously, CBS is high key whack, very lame. <laughs> Tune in to Impact 89 FM WDBM live on air broadcasted. Joe Dandrin, Ian Gilmore on the call. And, and but wait, there's more. Look under your seats because the Green and White Report is a two-hour episode on Sunday leading (laughs) in to the live broadcast of the Michigan State-Ohio State basketball game. So tune in Sunday, 88.9 FM. We got it all right there for you. But there we go. That's a little plug. That's a little plug. Love it. (laughs) Big shout out. Very well said, Green and White Report, 88.9 FM. Ian Gilmore, Dandrin, all the boys, the station. All the boys. We squatted up. We rolling deep and... We're ready to pull out some content, but Michigan State playing Ohio State coming up on Sunday. Last year, the Ohio State Buckeyes twenty six and nine overall, thirteen and four in the Big Ten. And this year, some things have changed. They lost a couple of guys. Uh, Bates Diop is gone from that team of of yore. And this year, Ohio State comes out start the season twelve and one then fall at home to Michigan State. That game was early on in January, and that kicked off a five game losing streak for the Buckeyes. And since then, that's kind of been the way the season has gone. They'll pick up a couple wins here and there, then drop the next couple, pick up one, drop one. That's where they've been going, 16-7 and seven overall, 6-6 six and six in the Big Ten. They lost the last game at home against Illinois, 63-56, after ripping off a three-game winning streak. Um, and like I said, last time these two teams played, Michigan State won 86-77 at Value City Arena. Some players... To watch out for for Ohio State, Caleb Wesson, the sophomore 6'9 forward, averaging 14 points a game to go along with six boards. And then the senior, C.J. Jackson, averaging 12 points and four rebounds. This is an Ohio State team that, and as I said, up and down throughout the season, but they do pack a lot of firepower. Yeah, looking at this Ohio State team, what a coincidence. They're playing the Michigan State team that arguably derailed their season. You mentioned the five straight losses after that Michigan State game statement win for the Spartans we talked about that a lot on the podcast I was on a few weeks ago but they that that Ohio State team as you know 12 and 1 going into their into that game AP top 25 ranking they've never looked the same since they played that Michigan State team so you think they're probably you know Chris Holtman 
solid coach, one of my favorite coaches in the Big Ten. He'll get them up for this game because it would be a statement win for them. They, you know, they need this one mentally, you know, as the team that derailed their season so far. Yeah, that game uh, at Ohio State, um, I believe, was a very, very competitive game. They went blow for blow the entire game, and MSU came out with it. Um, I think it could be very much like that this game. Um, but, yeah, Ohio State has not looked the same since. Uh, very up and down. Uh, they've lost to some pretty poor teams, we should say. Uh, Illinois, um, Rutgers. But, you know, Ohio, Ohio State, you, you never really know with them. Yeah, Ohio State comes in, like you said, haven't played their best basketball. They lost to Illinois was their last game, turned it over 18 times in that one. Caleb Wesson didn't have his best game, 11 points, 3 of 7 from the field. It's kind of the general feeling for that game against Illinois. Ohio State just didn't really shoot the ball well, just 36%, 15% from three in that game against uh, the Fighting Illini. Going to look for some revenge here against Michigan State after uh, them being beaten earlier on this season by the Spartans. And going around, I'm going to go with Michigan State. I don't think they lose on the home floor. I, I think, although a lot of people have questions about the zone, you're talking about best home fo- has best home court advantages. You look at Breslin, you look at Mackey, it's hard to beat the Michigan State Spartans on the floor. And they got a two-game winning streak rolling right now. I like the Spartans in this one, too, as well. I like them pretty big, probably about, uh, you know, I'd say it's a 10- to 12-point margin. I think the um, I think definitely another matchup to look at would be the, um, the Caleb Wesson and Nick Ward matchup. Caleb Wesson had a lot of success in that previous matchup at Value City Arena. I look for, you know, and Nick Ward, we talked about him being in a groove again. I'd look for him to really kind of, that would be the marquee matchup for a second game in a row. Yeah, and let's take a moment, welcome on a guest picker. Came and watched the show today, newbie for Impact, but he's coming on, making some guest picks. This is going to be big. Welcome on Carson Hathaway. Yeah, thank you for having me on. No problem, no problem. So I got to ask, Michigan State, Ohio State, who you got, Amy Y. Um... You know, we played them earlier in the year, and that game was in Columbus. And since then, like you guys alluded to, they've been like really going downhill. And being along with that and the fact that we've been beginning to play well again on a two-game winning streak, I think you have to go with Michigan State here. There we go. Very nice pick. Luke, your pick? Yeah, Michigan State, I'm going to have to go with uh, the Spartans here. They're, they're, They're starting to find their stride again. Um, being at home, I don't think I don't think they're gonna lose this one. All right, and moving on from Ohio State, we won't have a podcast again until Friday. Michigan State will play another game, another home matchup against Rutgers. That game being on Wednesday at six thirty p.m. Uh, it's gonna go live on Big Ten Network. Do not believe we'll be broadcasted live by Impact eighty nine FM, but keep it locked just in case some things change with that one. Um, last year, Rutgers fifteen and nineteen overall, three and fifteen in the Big Ten. This year, Rutgers a little bit better, but kind of around the same area, twelve and twelve overall, five and nine in the Big Ten, and it's just been an up and down season for them. Fits and starts. Uh, they win some games, lose some games, and they're coming off a pretty tight win against Northwestern, fifty nine fifty six, that snapped a three game losing streak for them. And Unfortunately, this is kind of a little tough stretch for them. They'll welcome number 20 Iowa to the rack on Saturday. The prior, rack. The rack. Beautiful <laughs> arena. Ryan Collins loves the rack. But uh, that's prior to the midweek matchup with Michigan State on Wednesday. And just a tough stretch for 
for Rutgers. Michigan State won the first game in the season series earlier on, beating uh, Rutgers 78-67 in November at the rack. Uh, some players Rutgers has, Eugene O'Murray, the 6'7 forward, 14.7 rebounds. Geo Baker, a guy I really like his game, Big sophomore fan. guard, 13 points a game. 35% from the field, 35% from th- from three is Baker. And really not not a whole lot to go from this game. Rutgers is a team that's still trying to find itself, has a little bit of youth. They'll definitely be something to watch out for. I think I've liked how they've played a couple times this season against some bigger teams. But once again, on the home floor, Michigan State, a, a renewed sense of energy with Nick Ward rolling down low on the bra- uh, excuse me, rolling down low in the post, and then Cassius Winston. I think they they keep it rolling, pick up the win against Rutgers. I like the Spartans pretty big in this one as well. Probably up it to about twenty or twenty five. Steve Peichel has done a really good job. I think he's a very underrated coach in this conference. Already topped the three win Big Ten total that they had last year, up to five, like you mentioned this year. He'll have his team, you know, mentally ready for this game. But in terms of talent, the margin is great between the, the Rutgers team that will come visit and them. Even though I am a big Geo Baker fan, kind of a combo guard, nice size at 6'4", can stroke it from beyond the arc. Pretty solid player. If he sticks around for a couple years, he might be one of the better kind of two guards in the Big Ten, maybe moving forward. Yeah, Carson? Uh, yeah, on paper, uh, we should probably beat Rutgers by a lot. But I think the key is that... Um, the game after that, we play at Michigan, and that's, like, the big game. But with that being said, I don't think we can, like, uh, look past Rutgers. We got to take it, like, one game at a time. And if we do that, we should probably be able to win pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And another point I want to make out is um, the, these these lower Big Ten teams are starting to find some strides between, you know, Rutgers um, you know, Penn State upsetting Michigan the other day, the Fighting Illini upsetting Michigan State. Uh, they're starting to find their stride and becoming more competitive in this conference. Going off of that, Michigan State wins this game. They're not there yet. Michigan State, obviously a powerhouse here at home. Michigan State hitting their stride. I don't think Rutgers can come in and upset the Spartans. But like I said, those those lower Big Ten teams, look out for them going forward to make some up, possibly making up some upsets and really moving up those uh or moving around those top seeds you know i agree i do agree with uh carson and you who agreed too that is kind of a a sleepy little game there for michigan state because that you know of course we're going to be talking about a lot in the next podcast the the michigan game coming up which will be huge you know Rutgers home game you know 12 and 12 overall mediocre that's not a game they want to overlook because if they will it will be tight it can get interesting and Michigan State's going to have to figure out some ways to win. Two games coming up before facing Michigan on Sunday. That That is a matchup that, depending on how these next two go, can pretty much decide the Big Ten, the first of that two-game series against the Wolverines. But either way, before looking ahead to that Sunday, Ohio State, Rutgers on the clock for Michigan State once again. Catch the Ohio State game live on Impact 88.9 FM. Joe Dandron, Ian Gilmore on the call. Green and White Report two hours leading into that show. Check us out. Keep it locked to the station. And keep it locked to Impact Is Zone because we'll be back once again next Friday to talk it up, chop it up with some more Michigan State basketball. They're on a two-game winning streak of the Spartans. And this has been it. Season 6, Episode 14, another one in the books. Big thank you to Amanda, Luke Sloan, Luke Sacone, and our guest picker, Carson Hathaway, for joining me in studio today. 
It's been a good one, folks. Spread some love. I know it's past Valentine's Day, but always spread love. Hug your neighbor. Hug your mom. Hug your boyfriend, girlfriend, significant other. Whoever you want to hug, just hug somebody. We need some more hugs out there. Um, And thank you so much for joining us. We'll talk soon.